Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. This week is one familiar to me and one that I'm excited to introduce to you. His name is Doton Agini. He's an animal scientist by profession, a sound engineer by passion, and he also works as a business development manager in an Australian lift manufacturing company in Nigeria, his motherland. Doton's also my sound engineer. He applies his expertise to this bi-weekly podcast, The Sage Sayers, and will do the same, I hope, for my new podcast launching soon, Competency Number 5. I've brought Doton to my show this week because he is an expert on the spoken word. He's hugely gifted and creative, and he's also part of a larger trend of holding two jobs or several jobs versus one. And like many of my listeners, Doton has reinvented himself when and if needed. His sound engineering work came to him when well-paid work as an animal scientist did not. So, Doton, welcome to the Sage Sayers. Hi, Coach Debbie. Good day. How are you doing? It's actually a great pleasure to be on your show today. It's something we've been looking to do for a long time, and I'm happy we are finally here. Oh, Doton, I'm so happy that you're here as well. And really great to hear your voice. My listeners are business communicators, they're entrepreneurs, and they're career transitioners. Most of them want to reinvent. And that's something that you're familiar with. So I'd love to start our interview today wondering what got you started in audio production. Tell us what your path was from animal scientist first and then sound engineer next. Thanks for that, Coach Debbie. A very lovely question to start with. So all my life as a kid, I've always loved animals, you know. The love for animals was so great. I thought while looking for admission in the college, I thought it's actually good to go for what I love doing. So that's why I opted for animal science in the college, in university. So but when I finished university, the job was in Fort Comey. So I actually started a little backyard poultry and a rabbit tree. So that was how my animal production practice started, you know. From when I was doing my final year project, we did a little bit of experiments using some animals, or poultry birds, as well as rabbits. So when we performed the experiment on them, I had to continue keeping them, the ones we didn't need to kill during the experiment. So that was how I started my little backyard poultry. Then later on, you know, I maintained the poultry. I kept increasing the number of birds, increasing the number of rabbits, and that was how it all started as a professional animal scientist. Then for music production, a white collar job was not forthcoming, and I had lots of time in my hand, you know, while running my poultry. I only attend to my poultry and rabbitry in the morning. Then a large part of the day, I'm idle. My other brother is actually a sound engineer. So I go to his studio, I keep an eye on whatever he does, and most of the time he's always swamped with work, lots of things to do in his studio. So he dedicates some that are not really practical to me, and I help him undo some of the stuffs. 
I got better and better and better doing it, and it trusts me more and more and more, giving me other and more technical plans to do as well. So that was how I was able to find my way in sound engineering as well. So I actually interesting. grew into it as time goes on. So interesting. So it was your brother who gave you the in, and also this finding that the work you love through being an animal scientist just didn't create a live, sort of a, a livable in- income for you. But I wondered, when you and your brother got into sound engineering, was that something big in Nigeria at the time? Like, what was the economy like, and why was that such an interesting career at the time? Okay, that's another interesting question. Thank you for that, Coach Debbie. So my brother is a musician. He actually sings, so he has discovered he has musical talent since a very young age. No he way. was his teenage. No way. Yes. So, so cool. Yes. So he actually started music production using blue backlight Samsung. You know, he makes beats on them and sings on it. And that was how it actually all started for him. And I think music blood runs in the family as well. My father loves music a lot. So also are my other siblings. But then he discovered his musical talent and he was working on it to actually make himself better as a musician. You know, there was no money to afford studio. So that was how he started working on his own personal beats and that was how it all got started. So it was the skill he transferred down to me as well. So beautiful. So your brother transferred the skill down to you. And I wondered, as you learned about sound engineering and how to improve, you know, what kind of things were you editing at the beginning compared with what you edit today? Okay, what I edited at the beginning was, I think, beat arrangements, you know. Whenever I make some arrangement for some beats, mm. he wants me to listen if it sounds good. You know, I have this pen chance to actually discover whenever his sound is odd, whenever something doesn't fit in. Mm. So I have the ability to figure that out. So he always calls on me to listen if it sounds good. And if he doesn't, I'll tell him just, why don't remove this? Why not do it this way? And it turns out better whenever I do that. So that was how he actually thinks I'm quite good at figuring out sound and music arrangement as well. When I figured out that I'm more helpful to him in the studio, I go to the studio more often and he loves me around as well. So that was how I kept my eyes on things in the studio and I'm able to get some of the skills until I became a professional. And now you are a professional doctor and you're doing edits for entrepreneurs like me through 5R. When you're editing the spoken word, like interviews like mine that I bring to you and other sound production, what do you find improves a production the most? Like what do we as communicators need to do better? And what do you find yourself editing out the most? Okay, what I edit out the most is repetitive mannerism. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone does that. But more people need to sound more natural, you know. Mm -hmm. They should be more of themselves, try and relax and not make everything look formal, not make it necessarily look like an interview. You are just speaking your mind. You are being brought to enlighten others about your experience in life. And it doesn't have to be too formal. I've edited lots of interviews where people actually paint a picture that doesn't really exist. Like people actually trying to pick things up and telling you that they actually find it very easy in life and they did it all on their own without anyone's help, without telling the true picture. Mm-hmm. So this actually is not good enough, you know. Most of the times I reach out to the video of the podcast if there are parts you want me to edit out and some people have trusted me over the years as well they give me the rights to edit out parts that i feel are natural so these are what i actually edit out the most when i feel someone is not sounding natural 
So interesting, Jordan, because what you're describing are part of the best practices I encourage in communicators when they're trying to be authentic or show yes, confidence. Yeah, be you. And I noticed as a business, I'm totally going off script here and I apologize, but I knew we would have a connection on this and many topics. So when I coach leaders and communicators and new managers, they almost always want to be more confident and show confidence, but also feel confidence. And what I notice happens when the opposite happens, when we don't feel confident, I notice we, like you said, repeat words, we repeat ideas, we stay vague versus specific. I also notice a tendency, and I noticed this a lot when I was a professor of corporate communication, I noticed a pattern of people using jargony words and really formal language. Is that the kind of thing that you hear when people are not being authentic? It's almost like a safeguarded response, but it's also quite boring. What do you see when people are not confident? Well, like you said, it feels more natural, you know. It feels more interesting. It feels more lively when people are natural. Or like when people are trying to be serious and try to uh, blow things out of proportion. It's actually always very evident when people do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not very hard to figure out. That's what I'm going to advise more podcasters to actually advise their guests before bringing them on. They should try as much as possible to be natural and not sound too serious, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be interviewed. It can be a discussion over a glass of wine. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't have to be serious. Think about the interview as a conversation versus a moment where you had to impress, I think, is good guidance. Now, I know that Dorton have several jobs. You're working in this Australian lift company. And you've cut back your podcasting editing work because you work full time. You're part of a larger trend of overemployment, they're calling it here in the States, where professionals take on several positions to stay ahead. I wondered, what are you learning about yourself and when you're taking on two jobs versus the one? And what best practices do you have to offer or advice do you have to offer anyone who is thinking about the same? First thing that I would advise people that want to take up multiple jobs is you have to try and strike a balance. On Fiverr, I used to have lots of clients that I work with before taking up this job, but then I have to let some go while I retain the people that I enjoy working with so that I don't disappoint people. That's why my profile is on five star over there. You know, if I've been trying to get all the jobs, why try to combine with other jobs? I will end up disappointing people and it's definitely going to show in my ratings. But I actually make sure my circle is small. I think I've kept my clients very low to about maybe six clients. Six clients are the people I work for, and I don't take new clients on to avoid disappointment. You know, the rigors of my new job, the business development manager for a lift manufacturing company, like you said, and it requires me putting in lots of effort, and I lead the team as well. Wow. So I have to put in my best in my job, as well as make sure my clients for music editing, for podcast editing, for sound engineering, I actually get the best. So the best thing is that I have to let go of some clients and head on to some. So Coach Debbie is actually the leading client out of all this that I head on to. Oh, you know, when we spoke about this topic before, you had some really great rules to follow. And that is, you know, clearly communicate to your clients what you can and cannot do. Edit the side work down. Be really clear and transparent. And don't overpromise. Communication skill is what has really helped me in my career as a business development manager and as a sound engineer as well. 
there was a time, sometimes ago, a client approached me for a job, someone I have been working with for a long period of time. I was very frank with her. This podcast won't be ready until three days. She said it's fine. Just when I was doing that, another client reached out. In fact, the client made orders straight on Fiverr. You know, there's no way I could turn that down. That contract is already running. So I reached out to her and told her this work is not going to be ready until seven days. But as a lawyer client, if you want it to actually arrive earlier, I'll do all my best to it. I mean, I'm going out of my way. Well, she said, it's fine. It's fine. Seven days is fine. So she appreciated the fact that I'm able to come out straight and lay down on. Communication is very important so you don't disappoint people. I know what it means to disappoint people and people not able to post their podcast when they're supposed to. So it affects business a lot and I don't want to be the reason for that. So communication is very key. Well, I love that you say that because you are an excellent communicator, Dota, and it's one reason why we've been working together over a year now, right? It's been at least 18 months and you won my business. Uh, I, I had... we, met, we met during the lockdown. Yeah, you're right. So it's coming up to two years, yeah, maybe. The first job you gave to me, yes, the first job you gave to me, you told me your sound engineer wasn't feeling right and you wanted someone to actually fill in for him, maybe for That's a job or two. Right. So that was how we ended up becoming clients, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, and the first one, do you remember the first one you did for me? I'm going to add it to the show note. Yes, you are an excellent communicator and that's why you've kept your client base and why you're thriving in your other job too. But B, you are an amazing sound producer. The edits you did on my very first one I gave you, remember it was um, the business sense of mindfulness. And I did a little story on a, on a meltdown I had during COVID-19 when I was cooped up with my kids. My husband was working from home. I was trying to launch my coaching business and I used mindfulness to calm me down. And you added the music in such a beautiful way. And you took a chance. Do you remember what you did? You produced so many things. I can remind you though, there was a piano music I gave you and you added one chord of piano in the middle of the story as a punctuation of a dramatic moment. It was just one key. And when I listened to it and the way wow. you integrated it at the end, I cried. It was a complete emotional release listening to it. I couldn't believe you did this to my podcast. So I shared it with wow. my community and they loved it. But that's how you won my business. And then again, the beautiful communication, which is always consistent. We're getting off track though. And I know we're both on a time crunch. I had two questions. Do you have the stamina? I know it's late for you. All right. Fine. Great. I'm always ready to answer your question. <laughs> Thank you. So the first one, and, and we'll try to keep it brief because I know it's there, but I know that your beautiful motherland of Nigeria is struggling both economically and politically. And I know that one reason you have two jobs versus one is because you need to. The economy is imploding. The cost of living is soaring. Expenses are soaring. It's really hard for uh, gifted professionals like you to stay ahead. So I wondered, what do you see around you? What's the biggest struggle around you right now? Inflation. Inflation is the greatest struggle over here, you know. Mm. Prices of commodities are just skyrocketing by the day. In fact, in the last two years, if you pick up any commodity, mm. like if you want to make a case study and pick any commodity, compare the price two or three years ago to now, you definitely will find out some commodities have tripled in price. That's about 20% increment. Like give me an example. Well, give me this. an example of a commodity that's tripled in price for you, okay. something that you have to buy. I, I, I'm going to talk about the commodity that drives our economy, that's petroleum. Nigeria is blessed with oil about three years ago. Well, let me not say three years ago. When this present administration came in, 
2015, the price of petrol was 85 naira per liter. Mm-hmm. Now we buy petrol at about 240 naira per liter. Wow. You know, it's crazy. And this is particular commodity that drives the whole economy. When it increases in price, every other thing follows. And you know, the any power of the people is not increasing at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So it's actually putting people deeper into poverty. It's very heartbreaking. So if you really want to live above poverty, you have to pick up multiple jobs. And I'm actually lucky to be doing ones that I love, that I enjoy doing. So and, that's one of the reasons why I'm taking up multiple jobs as well. And that are moving you ahead. Like you've told me through our correspondence towards the end of the year, that you know, having repeated business has helped you grow. Like you're growing, you're being able to save, right? Yes, definitely. I'm happy working with you, meeting you that particular day. You reached out. That was a blessing. You have mm. been very supportive to my business as well. And I think you are one of the most understanding persons I've met on the earth, you know, such a wonderful personality you have. Oh. So you have really helped my business and I think my fiber business have really grown because of you. Oh. You know, because you take time out to drop feedback. So I'm very sure other clients actually see this and say this must be a wonderful editor. And they reached out as well and my client is actually grew after I met you. Oh well I'm really glad. I'm gonna keep doing that, keep supporting you. I had another question, Doden, and it's nothing to do with sound or even communications. It's about malaria. You recently had malaria, you wrote to me, when we couldn't do our interview last week. And you're recovered, clearly. You're sounding really great today. I wondered, what do our Western, my listeners are largely based in the West, what can you clarify to us who aren't exposed to malaria as much on what it's like to have malaria and then what the recovery is like? That's an interesting question. We were supposed to have had this interview last week, but malaria stopped me. Malaria is a serious illness, but not as serious as you Westerners used to think it is, you know, probably because of the statistics behind it. The statistics base Malaria kills one person every hour in Africa. In fact, despite having malaria last week, I never saw a doctor, neither did I take any drug. We have developed some kind of immunity against it. So it's something we have grown up to live with here in Africa. It's caused by mosquitoes and there are mosquitoes everywhere. So we have developed some level of resistance and it's not as bad as what it used to be back in the late 80s when it kills people for fun. But these days... So we have actually overridden the deadly effect of mosquito. When I wrote to you about that and was scared, I was scared for you. I said, gosh, it sounds scary. And you wrote yes, back, not so scary. I was very surprised. That in fact, your reaction actually got me even scared. Well, I'm thinking oh, of a movie. Not, uh... There's this big movie. I'll try to remember what it was and share it with you in a text later. But it was a movie about a woman whose son went over to Africa, an American woman whose son went over to Africa doing some missionary work or some entrepreneurial work and he developed malaria, came home and then died. I remember this movie. It was a big one. So I think it was that. I also read and reported a little bit on malaria as a reporter. But you said the medicine has gotten so much better. So what is the medicine like today versus what it was like before? Okay. Like I said, we have developed some resistance towards this, you know, since it's actually domiciled here Mm. and we are all exposed to it. I think Let's say you are getting it for the first time now. Mm. The next time it's going to be less virulent, like less intense than what it is the first time. Mm-hmm. So we are going to get used to it. Then the most effective medicine against malaria is chloroquine. You know, people avoid it a lot because it causes all the scratching. You know, it irritates the skin and mm. you scratch your body a lot. 
there are other injections against this artemeter and all. So our body has just developed some kind of antigens, antigens, what we call it in animal science. The body actually producing some natural microorganisms to fight infections. So I think we Africans have actually developed some kind of resistance. But like I said earlier, the statistics this says malaria claims the life of one person every year in Africa. Wow. Well, I'm really glad that you're well now, Dorian, and thanks for clarifying that question for me. You're welcome. So you shouldn't be scared any longer now. <laughs> I won't. You've quelled my fears. Thank you. And I wondered in our final question, what's become clearer from our interview today to you, if anything at all? I think uh, I've always underestimated the fact that I'm a good communicator. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a person also tell me that I communicate very well, but you actually made it more emphatic today. And you have encouraged me to even improve on it. So I'm definitely going to work on that. Then I'll encourage everyone listening, every of your listeners to be very good in communication, be very clear, be very straightforward in whatever you want to do. So communication is very important. It keeps relationships. It keeps marriages as well. Just everything we do, communication is very important. In fact, I think it's the most important thing. Oh, so true, Jotun. Well, thank you so much for our call today. It was such a pleasure. And I'm going to bring you back to the show as a regular guest. So I'm going to pause our recording. Thank you, Dojin. It's a real pleasure to be here. You know, I've edited uh, lots of these shows and it's a real privilege for me to be because I know the caliber of people you bring on the show. So it's a real, real privilege for me to be on this show and I'm not taking it for granted. Oh, thank you, Dojin. It's our pleasure and our honor. You take good care. Thank you, Coach Debbie. Thank you, Dojin. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag Brave Communicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.